Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All righty, turn with me to Titus. Bible drill time. Where is Titus? Titus, where art thou? I'll give you a second to go look in the index and look it up. (laughs) Just in case... If you've gone to Hebrews, you've gone too far. Just FYI. So today, if you did not know this, today is the 114th observance of Mother's Day. Now, this, is, this isn't including the official, official U.S. holiday. It includes the day that it actually was invented. It was invented by Anna Jarvis, 1908. And so today is 114th observance. We look around and we hear about sometimes how mothers do evil things. You can look in the news clippings and find stories of tragedies where mothers have done evil things. They've taken the life of their children. And it was brought up, mothers, no mother is perfect. And for what it's worth, I, I'm not a mother, uh, even though there's some emojis that might say that I can be. Um, motherhood is very hard. It's not an easy job. Our culture has embraced as its greatest value personal happiness. And so with that, dangers of divorce, the issues of sexual immorality, the preoccupation with that self-fulfillment, they've taken their toll on the family. Now, while our culture spins out of control, and if you haven't been under a rock here lately, you can see more and more of how our culture is just continuing to spiral, but it is helping to break down the family unit. See, the Bible, it is lifting up the family. It is seeking to exalt the place of the woman in the family. In reality, womanhood, motherhood is a ministry. It is a ministry of teaching, preparing the children to follow God's paths and being an example of the love of Christ. There was a, a missionary one time I heard He went around to different churches trying to, I don't know, drum up support, if you want to call that, or trying to drive up interest about being missionary in foreign countries. At the end of one of his services, there was a lady that came down the middle aisle and she was dragging an unwitting young boy behind her. And she was like, 
uh, I believe that God is calling me to be a missionary. And the man looked at her and said, yes, indeed. And he pointed to the little boy and said, and there's the little heathen he wants you to preach to. Here in Titus, Titus is ministering to a pagan environment among Christians who had a background in areas such as violence and dishonesty and immorality. That was much of the Cretans environment. The Christian women here in this church that Titus is at, they were trying to be godly. They were trying to live a supremely godly life in a very supremely ungodly society. The older women are being exhorted to teach and to train the young women and mothers on how to be a godly mother in an ungodly world. And Paul writes these words to Titus, and I think these are words that will be an encouragement to our mothers. And so I want to present them to you this morning. Very first thing that Paul highlights here to Titus, to the young women, is this. And that is to love your husbands. First, let's read our text this morning. Matter of fact, before I even read our text, let's walk into it because the first couple of verses of this chapter two talks about the guys, talks about the fathers. I'm going to save this for Father's Day, but I'll give you a preview of what Paul's saying here. Titus chapter two, we'll start with verse one. It says, but you must say the things that are consistent with sound teaching. Older men are to be level-headed, worthy of respect, sensible and sound in faith, love and endurance. Then we speak of the ladies. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers nor addicted to much wine. They are to teach what is good. So they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, homemakers, kind, and submissive to their husbands, so that God's message will not be slandered. So the first thing I want us to see here of the, the encouragement that Paul is giving to Titus is one for the women to love their husbands. See, the marriage relationship takes priority. Now, I didn't write any notations of references, so you might want to write this to go back and read later. But in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, it lays down the principles that should govern the home where the husband and the wife desire to love each other and to do the will of God. But verse 33 sums up all of this by this. It says, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. See, when the marriage relationship is the priority, several things happen. The wife and the husband will be the most fulfilled. Within the confines of the marriage relationship, how God created it to be, there is much more to be enjoyed within those bounds. Within society, so much is attempted to break out what is to be enjoyed within the marriage. They try to enjoy it outside the marriage and so much chaos ensues. But when the marriage relationship is the priority, when it is fully viewed within the context of how God created it, the wife and the husband will be the most fulfilled. Also too, the children will learn how to have a successful marriage. 
One of the things that, that as I counsel young couples who are wanting to get married is the importance of being a true reflection of what it was that marriage is supposed to be. And that is reflection of God between Christ and the church. Between Christ and the church, there is so much grace. There's so much forgiveness. There's so much love. There's so much sacrifice. I stole this quote from um, Kim's son-in-law. This is one of the things he tells young couples when they're wanting to get married is, one, get up in the morning and make sure that you are fully devoted to Christ and study. And then two, outserve your spouse. Outserve your spouse. Imagine that, that reflection, that example that you set in your relationship as husband and wife, how that impacts your children. It gives them the idea of what the perfect, if you want to call it, the perfect marriage is to be. What an example to give. When the marriage relationship is priority, then the wife and the husband both will be aware of the dangers of placing other pursuits in and other priorities above marriage relationship. There is quite the push in our culture for the meisms, the 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 do for yourself, make yourself happy. I mean, we find it in, in a lot of the, the monikers that in some of the advertisements, have it your way do it your way or you know, just do so many things it's focused do what makes you happy and unfortunately that takes away from the priorities and the, the the focus of selfishness instead it should be focused on being selfless because christ just as much he gave his self for the church All of this is in contrast to what is going on in our society. It is in contrast of where the world is and, and their focus on personal happiness. So ladies, mothers, godly mothers in an ungodly world will love their husbands. They will also love their children. We see that in verse 4. Now, Loving our kids doesn't necessarily mean that we give them everything we want. If that's the case, there would be a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of things kids want. One, they don't understand what it is that they're asking. And two, they probably don't realize what it doesn't do for them. But unfortunately, we have some who would prefer or rather be friends with their children. And so they would give them the desires of their heart when in fact, it is not truly a benefit to them. As we love the kids, moms, loving children requires discipline, a discipline. Proverbs 23 tells us one, there's a translation that I copied and it makes it look quite painful. It says, don't withhold discipline from a youth. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. Went to go through the difficulties there, but... It's not what you think it means. Strike him with a rod and you will rescue his life from Sheol. It's not the idea of physical pain, though. I remember when I was young, I received a few physical reminders of what was right and wrong. But discipline is an important aspect. It is a sign of love. 
to correct your children when you know the decision that they are making, the decision that they have made is not a positive decision. Loving children also requires instilling biblical and Christian views upon their lives. As one of the the huge important aspects of a role that a mom plays is creating a solid foundation in their homes. And in order to instill a biblical worldview, a worldview of Christ-centeredness, it has to be lived out in your lives too. It would be quite awkward if you're telling your kids to love God and then in your own life it shows few and far between actions that would prove that point. But you know what? If you are not instilling true biblical standards in their lives, somebody will instill some belief in there for you. Again, if you haven't been hiding under a rock, you understand that even in some distant, and I haven't seen anything in our local school systems, but in some school systems around our country, beginning to teach ideals that run contrary to biblical beliefs. So moms, be wary, be diligent to instill those biblical worldviews in the lives of your children. Also, too, to love your children means to teach them to love Christ, not only by word, but also by deed. No longer is do what I say good enough. We must do what we do. Part of that love also is caring for the spiritual, emotional, and physical needs of those children. Paul writes in 2 Timothy, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you also. Looking at Timothy, Paul says, I see your faith, but I also see the faith that has been passed down to you from your mother and your grandmother. It is a reminder of the effectiveness of mothers that they have on their families that lasting legacy that has passed on for generation and generation. Now I want to speak on one thing I don't have in my notes, and that is I understand sometimes when the legacy that has been given to you is not a very positive legacy, a legacy that may have been filled with pain and hurt abuse. But I'm here to tell you today that the legacy that you pass down doesn't have to be the legacy that was given to you. It can be a legacy that you have found through Jesus Christ. And I can guarantee you too that if there is a legacy of pain and, and, and hurt in your life, there are enough women of faith in this church that can become an adopted mother of sorts. And you can lean on them and build that legacy of love in Christ that when your daughter and your son pass it down to their children, then they will look back onto you and will thank you and will praise you for that. So godly mothers in an ungodly world, not only do they love their husbands, but they love their children. Last thing we're going to look at here is 
part of this is to have development of Christian character. The development of Christian character. We see these beginning in verse 5. Let's go back and reread. It says, to be self-controlled, pure, homemakers, kind, and submissive to their husbands. I'm going to look at the word here, self-controlled. In a couple different translations, uh, King James uses the word discreet. New American uses the word sensible. New Living Translation uses the phrase, live wisely. It is talking about living with a sober-mindedness. The idea that young women are to think about what they are doing about with their life. It's not going through life just liaison, just whatever happens, happens, or don't even plan anything. Just wait for the moment and go, oh, okay, we'll do something now. You see, the Christians were Titus is that they were known for their lack of self-control. And so Paul is encouraging Titus. He's encouraging them to have self-control. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It influences everything that we do. We're reminded of this in 1 Timothy 2.9. He writes, women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense. Here, decency is talking about modesty and good sense, talking about self-control control. Developing a Christian character, self-controlled is important. Being pure is another one. See, this is relating to the commitment of the marriage vows. And of course, Paul is writing to Titus and the vast majority of the women here are married. So being pure related to those marriage vows, this relates to the spiritual influence in the home. In 1 Peter 3, he writes, In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over with a message by the way they are live, their wives live when they observe your pure, reverent lives. What an amazing influence in the home is given over by the example of the wives. This purity is related to the image of purity. Women are to be chaste and modest, pure in heart and mind. Think of these in terms of, of how you talk, how you present yourselves physically, and also how you relate to other people. These are some great characteristics to be able to pass down to your children to be pure. Another characteristic is the work at home. See, there was a problem here. There were false teachers. There were people who were trying to divide the families. Again, we look in our current society and there is a lot going on that is attempting to break the family down. Now, Paul is not saying that women are not to work outside the home. What he's saying here is that home should take a position of priority in our lives. You see, Christian homes is not something that happens with the snap of the finger. It's not something that happens by ordering it from Amazon. It happens 
through a long process. It must be done intentionally. Moms, women, wives are challenged to do this. And I know it is a challenge, but I am convinced that God has equipped each and every one with the skills to be able to do this. Barclay writes in his commentary, it is the simple fact that there is no greater task, responsibility, and privilege in this world than to make a home. Another Christian character to develop is being kind. Kindness deals with doing good, being benevolent toward others, hospitality, having a good nature. I'm going to brag a little bit if you don't mind. That's what the bully bullpit is all about sometimes. But I have to say that my dear wife is one of the kindest women I know. Toward me, sometimes not, but mostly. She has an amazing nature of goodness and a heart of hospitality that is to be cherished. And though she has taken and has developed her uniquenesses to that, I am so convinced to know without a doubt that her mother played an immense role in instilling these values, not only being kind, but others, instilling those and other characteristics in her life. And I am the blessed recipient of those. And I'm sure as you would consider your own wives, you could shake your head in agreement as well. Last thing, the last characteristic of development is submitting to your husband. Now, see, God has created an order which includes a masculine headship. That's not an authoritative leadership role, but of responsibility and loving care. Bruce Stewart is quoted as saying, where love and mutual respect rule the home, there will be little problem with submission on the part of the wife. The husband is not a dictator, but he exercises his headship primarily by service. This is the same way that Jesus expressed his headship over the church. As I mentioned earlier, I'm doing some counseling, marriage counseling with couples, and there's a particular book that I enjoy using called Catching Foxes. You're like, Catching Foxes, marriage, where is that going? You'll have to get the book to read it or sign up for a counseling session. It's usually what. But I'll give you a little hint here. There's a couple chapters, one about becoming a husband and one about becoming a wife. In the section about becoming a wife, the author makes these two notations. It says, wives are called to be a reflection of the church in their marriages, to display the affections, attitudes, and activities that the church should have toward Jesus Christ. He goes on to say this, and a wife displays this through her attitude and conduct toward her own husband. Now, these characteristics, these qualities are quite different than what was common among the creators. And I would say they're probably not very common in our current society. But Paul encourages Titus 
to encourage the young women of his church to develop these characteristics in their lives. Worship team comes up. I'm going to close with this. There was a, a little boy who was sitting down on the front porch, seemed to be quite sad and lonely, he had his hands up in his face. He was just so downtrodden. Dad is walking and comes up to the front porch and looks at his son and he says, son, what's wrong? And little boy looked up at his dad and says, well, dad, just between the two of us, I'm having trouble getting along with your wife too. <laughs> Moms play an immense role. Mothers play an immense role in our lives. And I'm so thankful for each and every one that are especially here today, honoring their commitment to grow in wisdom and knowledge. But the mom ministry is a tough assignment. And God didn't give it to just anybody. He gave a ministry to moms that they be in, as insightful as a psychologist, as tough as a Marine Corps drill instructor, as gentle as a nurse, to be a labor and management negotiator, to be a teacher, an electrician, a carpenter, a plumber, that moms would have an endless supply of energy, to have a massive amount of patience, to have an iron will. And then I mentioned earlier, quick recovery. Recognize the fact that you may be sick during the day, but you have to be well by the time these kids get home. There was a survey, 600 college students. They were asked, what is the most beautiful word in the English language? 422 of them said, mom. Being a godly mother in an ungodly world is not an easy task, but it is a worthy and God-honoring task. And so I want to say thank you for the task that you have decided to take hold. This morning, I know the message was focused on moms, but perhaps maybe during this week, or maybe the Holy Spirit decided to take this message to mom and apply it to you in a different way. But maybe this morning you come to realize that you've seen something about a mom that has triggered you to says, I can't live the life mom lives unless I have the same God she has. And maybe this means today that you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, then what better way to honor your mother than to make that a decision today?